I remember the very first time I heard Don was in 1983. It was around April, and they had just got back from Singapore where they were living and doing missions work um, in Singapore. Um, how many can remember the first sermon or, um, that I preached here? No one. Exactly what I thought. Guess what? I can remember the sermon that Don preached back in 1983, the very first time I heard him. That is a sign of a good teacher. You forget. See, you remember who I am, but you forget everything I say. <laughs> a teacher, you remember everything they say, but you'll quite likely forget who they are. So um, I'm going to hand it over to Don, and, and uh, he's going to bless us. I'm actually deaf. So I don't know what lies he's been saying. <laughs> um, some of the beauty of being deaf is that when people interrupt you when you're preaching, you can't hear them. Um, and, uh, but it's embarrassing when people lie about you because you can't hear and then refute what they say. <laughs> I've just got to say that our loss is your gain. Uh, we miss you. Uh, we miss the constant fellowship. Uh, they're great servants and they love God's people. And... Uh, when we were going through a transition time, um, I was praying for them and the Lord gave me a word for them. And I can still remember where we were standing when I gave it to you. We were in the auditorium and um, there was just Dean and me and I said to him, believe the Lord is going to put you and Gina in a church that is going to grow. And you will grow in God alongside that. And that was before they even knew about you guys. And uh, I remember, I think I said it wouldn't be a big church to start with, but it would become big in God. And, uh, and it was maybe a month or so later that um, I heard about you guys uh, and uh, through Dean, and, um, and here he is, and here you are. And uh, we're sort of sad and pleased, yeah. And I was just, just talking with Gina uh, earlier on today because I've been thinking about when we first met, my wife and I, and she said she was 18, is that right? 18 when we first met. And Dean uh, was a teenager when I first met him and uh, he was a boy racer. Did you know that? <laughs> and... Uh, he confessed to me one day that the reason he joined the police was that he could drive fast legally. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> He'd just been in a car chase <laughs> and he enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for the love that you have for us. Thank you that you are preparing us for eternity with you. Thank you, Lord, for the good things you do for us and your faithfulness to us in all circumstances. Amen. 
So for the last two weeks, I've been prayerfully thinking. Um, God said through Isaiah to Israel, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. And that's one of my favorite Bible statements. God actually wants to spend time thinking with me. And uh, he said, if you do that, I will dramatically change your life. That's Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. And, and I've pondered that for a long time, that verse. I like to think with God. And so I was sort of prayerfully thinking about what to say for about the last two weeks. And I started off thinking about one passage of Scripture. Uh, but then another passage of Scripture came into my mind. And I started thinking about that. And then I got a bit confused because which one? And Because I actually said to Val, to my wife, I think I need to change and think about this one. But the truth of the matter is that God wanted me to put them both together because they actually connect very nicely. And um, <clears throat> the first one starts in Capernaum. And that's where Mark says that Jesus had made his base. He had made that town his base. And so he was there at this time. And if we could have that first PowerPoint, please. <clears throat> okay, the second one. It is about a rich sinner. <clears throat> it's about a rich sinner in the end. Okay, here's the first one. It's Luke chapter 5, verses 27 to 32. After these things, he, that's Jesus, went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. And leaving all, he rose up and followed him. And Levi made a great feast in his own home for him, and there was a great company of tax collectors and of other sinners who were reclining with them. But the scribes and Pharisees, the super-religious, murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are sound do not need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. I've thought about this quite a lot. You know, Jesus, am I allowed to walk on this side? Or do I have to stay on this side because I came in that door? <laughs> um, I, I've imagined this. There's Matthew sitting at his uh, tax booth and Jesus walks past and says, follow me, and keeps walking. And, and I've, I've had that image in my mind. So it was up to Matthew. They didn't debate it. Well, you know, I've got to finish the books and I've got to do this and I have to do that. Then I'll come and do it. It, it just... Jesus walked by and said, follow me. And Matthew got up and left everything behind and followed Jesus. Okay, now here's the second passage from uh, the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Jesus went on into Jericho and was passing through. He was passing through again, see? He was passing by, passing through. There was a chief tax collector there named Zacchaeus, who was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was a little man and could not see Jesus because of the crowd. 
So he ran ahead of the crowd and climbed a sycamore tree to see Jesus, who was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Hurry down, Zacchaeus, because I must stay in your house today. Zacchaeus hurried down and welcomed him with great joy. All the people who saw it started grumbling. This man has gone as a guest to the home of a sinner. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Listen, sir, I will give half of my belongings to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone, I will pay back four times as much. Jesus said to him, Salvation has come to this house today, for this man also is a descendant of Abraham. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And I... You can see there's a connection here, isn't there? They were both rejected by their society. They were outcasts. And I sort of identify with this because I was on the fringe and Jesus came into my life uh, uninvited, he came, and he intruded into my life um, and made himself very obvious. It was like a headbutt. And... uh, he said, well, here I am. What are you going to do about it? And, uh, and it really sort of did happen like that. And so what, it, what is in common about these two passages? Well, it's what's in common about the men. Both were Jewish. They were tax collectors for Herod and for the Romans. And they were despised and hated by the rest of the Jewish population because they were seen as part of the oppressing government that was oppressing the Jewish people. In both these cases, Jesus initiated the connection. Jesus did. There's no indication that either man was seeking God. By their lifestyle, they were not. But Jesus stepped into their lives. So he initiated it. Both became followers of Jesus the Christ. And Jesus went to both their homes. They both displayed evidence of lives transformed by Jesus. And you see that when you look at both those passages. Then what about Zacchaeus? Because I want to think about him a bit. He was the senior ranking tax collector of the Jericho region. All the other tax collectors were under his control. He would have heard of Jesus, heard of the miracles and the wonders that he was doing, heard of his preaching. Uh, In Luke chapter 5, verse 15, it states that Jesus' fame went throughout all the region. And there are other parts in the New Testament that say the same. Tax collecting, uh, the tax collecting community, It was a small percentage of the Jewish population. So Zacchaeus most probably would have heard how Matthew abandoned the tax industry. They would have talked about it. He just walked away. So he would have heard about it. But he had never met Jesus. He might have met Matthew. There's no indication that he did or he didn't. But he would have heard about it because of the smallness of the tax-gathering community. And so he was curious about Jesus. Curiosity about Jesus is dangerous. Okay, because it 
leads to deeper things. He was extremely rich because he was extorting money. He was a thief. He was stealing what belonged to others. As always when Jesus was present, there was a crowd. Zacchaeus had a problem in the crowd. But he was determined to see Jesus. He was determined. But he wasn't just thinking, I need to see Jesus. He did something about it. And what has fascinated me is that Zacchaeus had no idea what would happen, what it would lead to when he climbed a tree. He had no idea what was going to happen. He just climbed the tree. It's what he could do to see Jesus. It's what he could do. And I've thought about that. What did I do to see Jesus? Well, I didn't climb a tree. But I did start thinking about eternity, infinity, uh, because I grew up on a hill country farm in northern Hawke's Bay, and I had a lot of time to think. And at the age of 18, um, I stopped blaming everybody else for who I was. We live in a society where no one's at fault, it's everyone else's fault. Even judges say that product of your environment and uh, I believed that but it was only partly true no one else was making my choices I was so when I went and burgled a place it was me that did it. it wasn't my father and mother when I stole from businesses it was me doing it when I got into fights it was me doing it it wasn't anyone else and so At the age of 18, I accepted responsibility for who I was. I just didn't know how to change. So I kept doing it. But that, I believe, was the beginning of my journey to Christ. I just didn't know it. And uh, am I meant to confess those things in front of an (laughs) ex-policeman? It's okay. Yeah. Um, And so... I started to think about what was life about. And that's at, when I was in my early 20s, that's when Jesus headbutted me. He stepped in when I wasn't looking for him, just like Matthew. Zacchaeus made a choice that led to big things. And that's the truth for all of us. When we make a choice about Jesus, we have no idea where it's going to lead. We haven't got a clue. But he will take us on an exciting journey. So what about Jesus in all of this? Well, in the case of Zacchaeus, he was accompanied by all his disciples. And everything Jesus did in front of them, everything he said and everything he said to them was part of their training school. He was constantly preparing them for what was to come. And they didn't have a clue about what was to come. So in all the things he did, he was constantly teaching and training them. And they were dropping off a lot of their cultural problems. And I call them problems 
Because often our human culture gets in the way of what God wants to do. And they had shown that they weren't immune to prejudice. They were living with Jesus, travelling with him, being taught by him, seeing everything he did, but they weren't immune to being prejudiced. They weren't immune from it. And so here he is picking people who were social rejects. In his disciples, or you know what happens today. Um, I've been in the west of China, been amongst the Uyghur people, and uh, some of them have been fighting the Chinese. And the Chinese government called them terrorists. The real truth is the terrorists were the Chinese government that went in amongst them and did some terrible things. So they reacted back. And in Jesus' disciples, there was a zealot. You know who the zealots were? The Roman government would have called them terrorists. Jesus had a terrorist as one of his disciples. Isn't that interesting? And then he had some other characters that were very interesting people. But a big chunk of them, most of them were Galileans. And the rest of the Jewish society despised Galileans. Galileans were sort of more at the bottom of Jewish society. And uh, that's why they said, oh, you're from Galilee. So it's interesting who Jesus chose. We all come from different backgrounds, don't we? We've all got different life experiences, maybe different ethnicities. I'm a bit of uh, United Nations uh, with my ethnicity. And uh, we've all had different opportunities in life. We've all taken different paths. But what we have in common is Jesus Christ. We have Jesus in common. And it doesn't matter who we've been or what we've done. He's the great equalizer. He makes us all equal. And uh, so when Jesus spoke to Zacchaeus, he was establishing in his disciples' minds something out of the Old Testament. And that is that even though God had chosen Israel, he had prepared the way for every people group to become part of the promise of God that is in Abraham. And and the Old Testament's full of it. It's obvious. And so when Jesus spoke to Zacchaeus and said, I want to go to your home, it was already stated in the Scriptures. But the people were objecting because of their cultural position and their beliefs. And so they were shutting the door of salvation because of how they judged and perceived the man. And we can be guilty of that, can't we? We can be guilty of that. I'm so grateful that uh, when I came to Christ, they didn't, the man who led me to Christ did not see who I was. He believed who I could be in Jesus. He believed who I could be in Jesus. And so Jesus stops and he looks up in the tree and he doesn't say in the Bible, oh, I wonder who that little man is. 
He already knew who he was. He already knew. And he spoke to him by name. They'd never met before. But he called him by name. What an amazing demonstration of the love and the acceptance of God that is for us in Christ Jesus. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. When I, when I came to Christ, I was actually going to a party. I was on my way to a party. It started on a Thursday night and it finished sometime Monday morning. And I was on my way to a party. And I was with a mate and we needed girls who would party all weekend. So we were driving around Napier looking for a couple of girls to come to a party. And Jesus stepped into my life and dramatically diverted the direction of my life that night. I never got to the party. And the truth is, I don't care. I don't care. When I prayed and asked Christ into my life, my life was transformed. I'd been drinking for seven days, brandy and vodka. Seven-day binge. And I asked Christ into my life and I became instantly sober. That is impossible. <laughs> but that is Jesus Christ. That is Jesus Christ. And it changed me forever, that encounter with Jesus. And here are two men who had an encounter with Jesus and he initiated it. Isn't that amazing? That is the love of God. The love of God. That even when we think we're okay, he knows we're not. And he will step in with his love and transform us. So, Jesus saw something in Zacchaeus. And he called out to him, Hurry down, Zacchaeus, because I must stay in your house today. Now, <clears throat> we'll go back to Zacchaeus. Jesus had made a statement in, it's in Luke chapter 18, and he said this, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus didn't say, and I've heard this misquoted, he didn't say it's hard for the wealthy to become believers. We were in a church in Singapore that had, I don't know how many millionaires were in it. In Singapore, to be a millionaire is nothing. You've got to be a billionaire to be something. And um, he didn't say it's hard for wealthy people. Did, did you hear what the words were? Who trust in wealth. So even poor people can trust in wealth. And Zacchaeus was a man who trusted in wealth. And so when Jesus called out to him, he demonstrated that who you are, what you've trusted in, what you've been, how you've done it, is immaterial. It's whether you will come down out of the tree and take them into your house that counts. That's what matters. That's what matters. And you see, here's Zacchaeus. He didn't know that Jesus knew his name. He didn't even think Jesus would notice him up the tree. But there's an interesting psalm that I think of often when I'm flying. And that's Psalm 139. Where can I go from your presence? Where can I go from your presence? We can't go anywhere that he isn't. We can't. And he knows everything about us that's knowable. 
Amazing. So when Matthew followed Jesus that day, he didn't know what the journey would be that he was on. Matthew became a missionary church planter. And he went on very long journeys, really long journeys, preaching the gospel of Jesus and planting churches. And church history would say that he was made a martyr. But he never knew that when he got out of his tax booth and followed Jesus. What he did do was throw a party. Matthew threw a party. And who did he invite? All the proper people. All the people who were movers and shakers. No. He invited all the social outcasts. Because that's who he was. And the really super religious people objected that Jesus went there. They objected. In the case of Zacchaeus, it was the crowd who objected. Now we know wherever Jesus went, there was always a crowd. And they were excited that Jesus was there. Really excited. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And the crowd gathered. What sort of crowd were they? Well, I wonder if maybe they were a sideshow crowd. They were there for the show. But when the crunch came and Jesus said, I'll go to Zacchaeus' house, they changed. They went back to their prejudices. They went back to their judgmental attitudes. And they looked at Zacchaeus and found Jesus guilty. And I I thought about that and I thought, Lord, save me from that. I don't want to have a heart that's judgmental. I want to be able to see people as you see them. To know them as you know them. That they might know you and your love and forgiveness. And uh, I was saying to Brian as we came down today, our friend Brian, that uh, people don't believe that I have the background I've got because they see who I am now. They see what Jesus has done in me. But uh, I used to talk to the police regularly, Dean. I don't know if I ever told you that. I don't know why, but I used to. And, and there was a police station in Napier I used to visit regularly. So, uh, but the thing is, Jesus takes us, and then he says, here's a journey. Come with me on this journey. And... Um, I always wanted five to six thousand acres. I grew up on three and a half thousand and I wanted five to six. Two thousand pasture, three plus for hunting. And the pasture was to pay for the hunting. And um, when Val and I met, I actually had a contract all arranged up the east coast to hunt pigs during lambing. And I was going to go and take my dogs and go up the coast pig hunting. And... um, Val got in the road, and uh, I never went, and I think it was about 20 years after we were married that I actually went pig hunting again for the first time. I I still go deer stalking, and, uh, but the thing is, I had a dream that came out of me, and then I met Christ, and he gave me a dream that came from him, and as a consequence, By his mercy and grace, we've traveled the world. We go into 
third world countries, we go into war zones, um, we've had to just pack and leave in a hurry a few times, um, there's places I go I won't take Val because it's too dangerous, but Jesus is the greatest adventurer of all. And I, but I didn't even know that night when I prayed and said, Christ, come into my house. I didn't know. I didn't know. Just like Matthew, just like Zacchaeus. So Matthew left the business behind. With Zacchaeus, his business ethics changed. And the first thing he did was make restitution. Now, back in my old days, I had a friend who was a professional burglar. People would come to him with a list, and they say, we're setting up a house with some mates. Can you get them for us? And he'd look at the list, and he'd go and burgle. And the police knew all about him. They just didn't know who he was. They couldn't catch him. And so he would supply from maybe two or three homes a whole houseload of furniture and goods. And he came to Christ. He became a believer in Christ. And after he had been a believer about six, seven months, God got at him and said, you've got to settle this. So he went to a police station and turned himself in. He spent a year in jail. But you see, he was making right, just like Zacchaeus. I had another friend, and she wore labels. Her clothes were all labels. She'd never bought any of them. She'd stolen the lot. And she became a believer in Jesus. And one day, the Lord spoke to her. And she, uh, he said, how can you go to church when, with clothes that are stolen? So she went home, gathered up all the clothes, put them in a car, went to a police station, took all the clothes in, handed them in, and then handed herself in. Interesting. John the Baptist said that is the fruit of repentance. Repentance always has fruit. And that's what Zacchaeus did. Another thing about Zacchaeus, all he knew was the law of Moses. So when he met Christ and Christ came to his house, for the first time in many years, he put the law into practice. And he said, what I have stolen, I will give back, but not just give it back, I'll give it back four times more. Because you see, that is in the law. When you defraud someone or steal from them and then get convicted about it, you go and make it right. And in the law, it said four times. So his starting point was with what he knew. But his business style changed forever. Because morality came into his business. Ethics came into his business. When I was at university, they talked about business ethics. And I don't know just how much of it sticks in our community. It does with some. So here is Jesus with two different men. Same industry. He came to them. He came to them. And so Zacchaeus made good what he had done. So what about our encounter with Jesus? 
our encounter with Jesus. Well, in both these cases, as a result of the encounter with Jesus, people noticed Jesus. Did you see that? In the case of Matthew, why are you doing it? They focused on Jesus. In the case of Zacchaeus, they focused on Jesus. When I became a believer in Jesus, my mates focused on Jesus. I didn't want to go to the parties. I'd stop drinking. I'd stop fighting. I'd stop doing everything that they were doing. I still wanted to be mates, but it just didn't work. And so it got to the point where if they saw me coming, they'd cross the street. Because who I was now made them uncomfortable. I didn't preach to them. I didn't witness to them. I was just changed. And the change was too much for them. So our encounter with Jesus did. I had a husband come to me once. His wife had become a believer and had joined our congregation. And he said, he called me and said, oh, can you come and see me? So I said, okay. So I went to see him at his house. And he said, "Um, don't know what's wrong with my wife. (laughs) I said, okay, what's going on? I thought something terrible was going on. He said, she's nice. (laughs) It's hard to fight with her. She's considerate. Goodness knows what she was like before. Anyway, (laughs) she was different, and she hadn't said a word to him, but he knew she was coming to church. The difference was noticeable. Fruit of repentance. Okay. I've got to hurry now. So, Ethics changed, morality changed, life direction changed. It doesn't matter who we are, doesn't matter what our background is, doesn't matter where we are now, we're not at the end. We're on a journey. I'm 73 and what is it, two or three weeks' time? And, and I've, I've got no sense of stopping. And there's more yet to come. That's what I believe. And when we get the injection, um, we're off again. We've already got invitations to Central Asia, to South Asia. Uh, It's exciting. Pastor John Walton said that Val and I are the most traveled poor people he knows. (laughs) Because we're always traveling out of this country. But it's because I'm on an adventure with Jesus. And I don't know what the end is. And I'm being constantly changed. And Val says, hallelujah. But I'm being constantly changed. And that's what Paul said, that when we become believers in Jesus, the changes don't stop at the initial encounter. I'm being constantly changed. More and more into his image. More and more in the way of living that he wants me to be in. So, where does that leave us now? Someone once said, (coughs) you can't be stationary in God. There's no such thing biblically as stationary. You're either going backwards or forwards. And And I've thought about that. I've thought about, am I stationary? You know, we're in hard times now. 
and people are, are worried, and a lot of believers are worried about what's happening, worried about health issues, economic issues, political issues, worried about the stability of our country. There's a lot of worry out there, a lot of worry. But we can still be following Jesus, still following Jesus. A guy called Tommy Tinney wrote a book called God Chasers. I don't know if you've read it, but it's an interesting book. The basic idea is God's always on the move doing new things. It's only believers who get stationary. So God followers are people who are following God and what he is doing now. And that's what Jesus said to Matthew. It wasn't follow me just today and we're going to have a party at your place. It was follow me, which is an eternal offer. It, it, it leads into the everlasting life. So we are still following Jesus. And he is doing new things. He's doing new things. We're getting people coming to Christ. And, and people are coming looking for answers. And uh, so we are on a journey. And so out of this, you see, what, what I really feel I, I, uh, the Lord would have me say is that will you follow him into the next phase? It might break your traditions. You might fill up your auditorium with people that have never, kinds of people that have never been here before. I can still remember bikers coming to our congregation. I can remember mongrel mob members coming to our congregation. We get people just walk in off the street. They hear the music and they wonder what it's about. And they walk in and get saved. We are following Jesus. Do not let yourself be diverted by what is happening in the world. Do not let the cares of the world choke the life of Christ. It's the cares of the world. Have an expectancy of great things to come. That is what I've discovered about following Jesus. What I thought was good, actually there's better. It's just my capacity to actually handle it and get on with it. It gets more and more. And it's amazing. It really is amazing. Life has not been easy for us. Life has not been easy. I've been close to death twice because of the gospel. I was three weeks from dying because of the gospel, something I caught on a mission trip. Uh, life is not easy. God never promised that. He did promise us excitement in Jesus. He did promise us a quality of living that is not determined by our circumstances. So I believe God would say to you today, follow me. Follow me into what I want to do amongst you. Put aside the differences you might have with the people who might come through your door. Jesus said, follow me. He said to Zacchaeus, I'm going to come and stay in your house. That is amazing. And I really believe that God wants to do something amongst you like that, of that nature, and you don't even see it yet. 
You don't see it yet. So, okay, time to write. Okay, we should pray. I'll, I'll fellowship with you fellas. <laughs> want to thank you, Lord, that you've come into our lives. I want to thank you, Lord, that you've said to us, follow me. Thank you, Lord, for the journey that you've got us on. Thank you for the places you're taking us. Thank you for the things that you're doing in us and through us and with us. Thank you for including us in your journey, in your dream for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray, Lord God Almighty, that this auditorium will be filled. It'll be filled with people seeking Jesus. It will be filled with people coming to Christ. It will be filled with all sorts of different people who make up your kingdom. Thank you, Lord. I pray you'd expand the capacity of the hearts of this congregation that they might be able to reach out and see many souls coming into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Amen.